Hey, this is the American Lineage Michael Miller, and I want to give a big shout out to Confederate Railroad for tweeting that they uh, love the uh, fact that their one of their songs, Elvis and Andy, was played on the show last week on episode 19 of, of course, Remember Class 1998. Uh, right now, Confederate Railroad is on tour. They're doing mainly uh, gigs in the South and the Midwest, so if you ever get a chance to check them out, please do. And thank you once again, guys, for loving the fact that I played one of your songs on the uh, podcast last week, and I hope you continue listening. Peace. Hey, this is the American Lineage, Michael Miller, and welcome to Remember the Class of 1998, and this is episode 20, and I'd like to thank you guys for uh, listening to the show, um, since I've been doing it back in February, and 20 episodes already, how amazing is that? Um, this show was originally going to be on um, location on this weekend, but on I really didn't have uh, much of a crowd to do on locations with. I was at a pig roast at a cousin's house in Steuben County, uh, New York. And uh, it was a good pig roast, which just wasn't enough people really to do like an on-location thing. And also there was supposed to be um, a Comic-Con in Potsdam, New York. Unfortunately, got canceled and it's going to be rescheduled for September. So I'm hoping to get possible interviews with um, Del Wilkes who's the uh, wrestler known as the Patriot. He's supposed to be at this Comic-Con and another wrestler possibly, but I had to obviously contact them, you know, about it, you know, within a few weeks or so. So I'm hoping to get interviews with them for this podcast. But other than that, I had a good time downstate and now I'm back here in the home base in Messina and let's get this 10 song block started, folks. Uh, and of course, the song, we played stuff that charted up the, the pop charts are related to it. And mainly we're gonna play the two big genres that dominated, you know, in the mid '90s at this point, or freshman year in high school, mainly alternative and hip hop. And we're starting off with a track from the Jesus and Mary Chain, well-known band from Scotland, of course. Um, this was the only song they ever charted for them in uh, in America, and it debuted in the second week of October at number 96, the top 100, and went nowhere after that. Um, this was a duet with Hope uh, Sanderdahl, who was the lead singer of Maisie Starr. Uh, top 5 alternative hit, top 30 in the native UK, and top 70 in Australia. And, and this song is called Sometimes Always. So we're starting off this block with Sometimes Always by the Jesus and Mary Chain. Only here on Remember the Class 1998. Yes! Double shot. Hey, welcome back for the 10 song block here. Remember class 1998 when we started off the block with Jesus and Mary Chain with Sometimes Always. And then we heard from the Yanksters um, with Hip Hop Ride, which was a top 70 hit back in October 1994. It was the only song of the chart on the pop charts. Uh, it was also top 70 in the RB um, charts as well. Fair better in the rap charts and dance charts when it hit the top 30 in those charts. And then we heard a double shot of the Youngstas with uh, Mad Props. And then we heard from Al Scratch uh, with uh, Words My Homies. And then Rick On with Heaven and Hell. 
And then Cool G Rap with uh, Nas help him out with uh, Fast Life. Then we went back to a little bit of alternative with a song that started off for Weezer, Undone, the sweater song. Um, it was a top 60 hit in the pop charts in October 1994. Top 10 alternative, top 30 mainstream rock. Um, Fair Baron in Canada, I believe, was a top 10 hit in Canada. That's probably why I remember hearing it at the time a whole lot, not knowing who the band was. Uh, it wasn't really to Buddy Holly when that song came huge on radio and MTV. I knew who the band was, but I remember hearing the song going, Whoa, 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 you know those lyrics in the song. But that was the song that started off with Weezer um, becoming the big band they are today. And I believe it was also top 40 in the UK as well. So overall, it was not a bad start for Weezer back in October 1994. And then we heard, of course, the classic one from Everclear, Santa Monica. And then we heard another uh, minor hit uh, in the top 100. Uh, this one's a top 70 hit. It was Breakdown by Fusion Shenanigans. I think that's the name of the pronounce the name. Uh, also, the song was Top 40 RB uh, and Top 10 Rap It. And then the last track we heard from was Digital Planets with their last charting uh, song in the pop charts, uh, Top 80 Hit. And it was Night Wonder. Also, Top 40 RB and also a Top 10 Rap It. And now let's get into our new segment. <laughs> All right, in our new segment today, we're looking back at the life of Lester Sill. Um, he was a record label executive and producer. He worked with acts with, such as uh, Lieber and Stroller and uh, Phil Spector. Uh, in 1953, he uh, created the Spark Records label with uh, Lieber and Stroller. Uh, unfortunately, the record label became too big for him to handle at that time, so they sold their catalog to Atlantic Records in 1955. Um, at that point, too, Lester became the manager of the Coasters, the famous R&B doo-wop group in the 50s and dominated with, you know, songs like Yaki Yak and Charlie Brown and Searching, I mean, and Youngblood. And then he would form um, Trey Records in 1959 with Lee Hazelwood, who uh, he co-produced the song Rebel Rouser with. And then that's when Phil Spector came into the picture, and um, eventually they would form another company called Greg Mark, and then which would lead into Philly's Records in 1962, which was one of the biggest indie record companies in that time with the wall sound that Phil Spector was doing. And um, unfortunately, Lester got bought out by Phil uh, by the mid 60s. But then Lester would go on to be heading. Um, some of the records that uh, were being run by Screen Gems Columbia, including Callplex and Call Gems. And then I believe Lester in his last years was working for the um, executive firm uh, that ran the uh, publishing company for uh, Motown Records. So um, here's to Lester Sill for basically being one of the unsung heroes of rock and roll and um, getting the ball rolling for well known artists and writers uh, like Lieber and Stroller and Phil Spector. And thank you for your contribution to music. And hopefully you will never be forgotten. And after this, we're going to get into our top album segment. All 
All right, we're back here. Remember class 1998, and now we're getting to our top album segment. And uh, boy, um, I think my majority of the listeners are probably gonna kill me for this one. <laughs> but again, I'm going by the charts, folks. Somebody was buying this album. This was huge. It was actually taped or recorded live at a TV event. It was broadcast around the world. I think here in the states, it might be on any if I remember right. But again, I could be wrong. Um. It was watched over by 1.3 billion viewers. Uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about the concert that took place in Los Angeles uh, around the summertime '94, and it was being to an album. Um, and it's the Three Tenders in Concert, uh, 1994 in Los Angeles. And of course, three tenors were Jose uh, Carreras, uh, Pasco Domingo, and Luciano Pavarotti. And, of course, this was conducted by uh, Zibin uh, Mota. I'll probably pronounce the name right. With the uh, Los Angeles Philharmonic and the choir of the Los Angeles Opera. And this ended up debuting at number four. So it was a top five album here in the United States. Number one classical album, not a surprise. Number one album in Australia, Austria, New Zealand, Spain, Sweden, the UK. It was number two in Germany, Netherlands. Number three in Switzerland. Top 20 in Norway, top 40 in Belgium, and where probably didn't do really daily squat, ironically enough, was France, the top 50. But yeah, I remember the three tenors being a huge deal. Like, oh yeah, you're trendy if you love the three tenors. But I mean, again, I really don't care much for opera. But this was a selling album. You know, it was in the top five, so somebody was buying it. Maybe one of you guys bought it. It wasn't me, that's for damn sure. I didn't buy this album. I really do not care for opera, but... Again, like I said before, this is part of our pop culture at the time, so I, I have to play at least five tracks from this album, and this was a huge album, folks. You know, believe it or not, we're all going to have to suck it in and listen to five tracks from the Three Tenders in concert and their Los Angeles um, gig back in 1994. And we're going to start off with... Uh, I believe their version of My Way. So here's My Way by the Three Tenors. Coming on to Pinchilla for live from Los Angeles back in 1984. Only here on Remember the Class of 1998. Okay, guys, we heard from five tracks from the uh, top album of the week. Um. <laughs> The Three Tenders uh, concert from 1994 from Los Angeles, and you heard their version of My Way, and then Moon River, and then Singing in the Rain, and of course, last two tracks are the typical Giuseppe Verdi pieces that they always do in opera, uh, La Donne Molinae, and um, uh, let's see, Lumi Monet, Ite Kene, I mean, hopefully I pronounced that right, but you know the tunes. I mean, da 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 Alright, so now let's grab our remote controls because we're going to watch a little bit of TV here. Alright, in our TV segment today, we're looking back on um, CBS now on Monday nights. Uh, starting off at 8 o'clock for me, 30, and I pretty much did watch the show. Um, sorry, I mean, <laughs> I was 15 at the time, and, you know, it was one of the shows my mom watched too as well, and pretty much everyone in my household. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. We're talking about the second season of the one and only The Nanny. 
Starring Fran Drescher as uh, Fran Fine. And of course, at that point, she was in her, what, late 30s when she was uh, doing the show. So, I mean, dude, uh, doing the math, I was 15 years old. I mean, come on. I mean, even though to a lot of people it was a lame show, I mean, it was on for a good portion of the 90s. And it lasted long as it did. Yeah, I watched it, you know, as a 15-year-old kid. But at that point, I was discovering girls at that point, And God knows uh, Fran Drescher was definitely <laughs> the one a lot of guys probably won't admit it. But um, pretty much we all had the hots for her. To be honest, come on. But, yeah, Fran played a nanny to um, the Sheffield family. Of course, uh, Charles Shaughnessy played Max with Sheffield playwright uh, who ran the household. Yeah, Daniel Davis is the butler, Niles. And then uh, Lauren Lane was the uh, Maxwell's assistant, uh, C.C. Babcock. And then, you know, the kids, Margaret um, Sheffield played by Nicole Tom. Uh, Brighton, son, played by Benjamin Salisbury, and then the youngest kid, uh, Madeline Zima, who played Grace Sheffield. Um, I'm looking at the episodes of season two. Uh, unless I watch them again, I really don't see any significant episodes where I can say, oh, I remember this and I can remember that. I mean, because, I mean, it was just another zany adventure. So it was kind of like the nanny was some way like a 90s version in a different kind of situation of Isla Lucy in a lot of ways I think it was but overall I mean like I said before I don't give a crap anybody can say they're embarrassed to watch the nanny okay fine we're all embarrassed but let's face it the guys were watching it because they thought Fran Drescher was hot alright let's be honest guys we did so here's to the second season of the nanny or at least the, the, the fall of um 1994 at that time of course at this point they would have 14 episodes and they'll of course you know have a break and, and then air the rest of it in the winter and spring so here's to the nanny the second season and after this we're gonna hear another block of songs and hopefully it'll be good and hopefully not be good who knows yeah well just wait and see all right see you then All right, guys, welcome back to Remember Class 1998. Of course, I'm your host, Dean Merrick, and Miller, and now we're going to get into some underground pop stuff. Well, at least underground to America, anyway. Uh, these were huge uh, hits in the uh, other parts of the world, mainly Europe. And then, of course, um, we might have a party crash here coming, but uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens. But well, anyways... <laughs> Let's uh, start off the track here with a band from the UK called Pop Wiki itself, and this is their song called Everything's Cool. Um, it was a top 30 in their native UK, and it barely made the charts in Australia, so that's the first track, Everything's Cool by Pop Wiki itself, only here on Remember the Class of 1998. Alright, we're back from Finland. Finland, 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 the country where I want to be. Thank you, Michael Palin. All right, we started off with Papa Eats Up with their song Everything's Cool. And then we heard from Moby, uh, who would be more popular later in the decade in the early 2000s with his song Feeling So Real, top 10 dance here in the United States. Went number one in Finland, top 10 in Switzerland and Netherlands, top 20 in Germany, top 30 UK, Austria, and Ireland, and top 40 in Sweden. 
And then we heard from Find Me. Um, well, the song's called Find Me, Odyssey to Anonia. And the band's called Jam and Spoon from uh, Germany. And this also was a number one hit in Finland. Uh, number two on the Canadian dance charts of A. Uh, top 10 um, hit in Italy, top 20 in Belgium, Germany, Netherlands, uh, top 30 in Australia, and Ireland, and uh, UK, and uh, top 40 in New Zealand. And then, of course, we heard from the famous group from Sweden, Roxette, who had uh, hits in the late 80s, early 90s here in the United States. Uh, this one, unfortunately, didn't make it to our shores this time in 1994. Uh, it's called Fireworks. Uh, was top 20 hit in Austria and Finland, top 30 in Belgium and UK, top 40 in their native Sweden and Iceland. Um, it was top 50 in the Netherlands, top 60 in Canada, and uh, top 70 in Australia. And it did receive airplay a lot in Spain and Poland. And then, of course, we had the party crasher. Uh, Tracy Bird had to bring his song with uh, the first stop, I believe, and it was a top five country hit in the United States and Canada. So, yes, it figures a hillbilly would stop a European party in Helsinki. <laughs> All right, enough of me ripping on country music. I know well, some people were sick in the past two shows, like, oh my god, he's oversaturating country. All right, none of that crap. And now I got the popcorn, I got the butter, I got the salt. Uh, just bring on the nachos and cheese because we're going to the movies. All right, I'm going to make a correction from the last segment. The last song was the first step by Tracy Bird, not first stop. Uh, bad handwriting as always. Right, our movie today, we're looking back at Disclosure, which came out on December 9th, 1994. It was directed by Barry Levinson, uh, starred Michael Douglas and Demi Moore, co-starred Donald Sutherland and Dennis Miller. Um, pretty much did well at the box office, mainly because of Demi Moore's sex appeal, and uh, of course the subject of the uh, movie. Of course, this was based on Michael Creighton's novel, same guy brought you Jurassic Park. And this evolves around a computer company merger. Uh, Tom Sanders, a uh, character played by Michael Douglas, was expected to run the uh, CD-ROM division. And, um, boy, that really dates the movie. <laughs> um, and Sam Meredith Johnson, played by Demi Moore, got the, uh, the position. And she's a former girlfriend of his. And she uses her position of power to basically try to seduce him and then she files a harassment suit against him and then he basically does the same thing it's a he she said thing pretty much and the whole merge in jeopardy i never got a chance to really see this movie so um pretty much it, like i said before it really did well i never come out but just i never got the time to watch this meal well eventually down the road uh, if you guys have seen it maybe you can comment on the remember the, the class 1998 facebook page and give me the final decision if I should or should not see it. So anyways, the movie of the week is Disclosure, by, uh, directed by Barry Levinson, and starring Michael Douglas and Demi Moore. And after this, we're going to get some smooth hip-hop tracks. Alright, we're back here, and we're going to class 1998, now we're going to listen to some smooth stuff coming out of the West Coast back around 94, or in the 90s in general. 
in the rap world. And first one is off a debut album from Little Bruce, and the debut album is called Extra Manish, and uh, it was a top 60 R&B hip hop album. And the track is uh, Mobbing in My Old School. So here's Mobbing in My Old School by Lil Bruce off his debut album, Extra Manish. Only here on Remember Class of 1998. Yeah, soon. Alright, guys, we just heard uh, from Little Bruce at the beginning of this block uh, from his debut album, Extra Manish, with uh, Mobbing in My Own School. And then we heard from Murder Squad. Heard their song "Knock on Wood," and then we heard "G's on the Move" by Havoc and uh, Prejudice. Or Pre- I think I think pronouncing the uh, name there. And then we heard um, "Black Superman" by Above the Law, and then "Having Things" by Big Mike featuring Pimp C. And now we're gonna get into our pro wrestling spotlight. Alright, in our pro wrestling spotlight today, we're looking at a tag team that was uh, popular in Smoky Mountain and uh, at this point in fall of 1994, have gone full-time in the WWF, uh, managed by James E. Cornette, of course. Uh, we're talking about the Heavenly Bodies, the version with Jimmy Del Rey and Dr. Tom Pritchard. And pretty much the whole entire period of this uh, year, 94, in our freshman year, and they would have a feud with the uh, Smoking Guns. Um, it started off in September, wrestling, leaving a house show against Team Well Done, which was a team of Steven Dunn and Timothy Well, and it was a tag team that pretty much were jobbers. So, um, let's see. Yeah, pretty much they were wrestling on TV against jobbers throughout September, and then, um, the first real show they wrestled against Smoking Guns at this point was September 30th in Sherbrooke, Quebec, Canada. At a house show, which they lost to the Smoking Guns, and then they wrestled right here across the border from the scene in Cornwall, Ontario, Canada, on October second, and another house show where they lost to the Smoking Guns. They did win over Smoking Guns in the house show, and uh, a few days down the road on top uh, on October sixth, excuse me, and uh, in, in Louisville, Kentucky. And let's see, I'm pretty, hoping I'm not gonna be skipping anything here, but the right, and then um, they re- pretty much wrestled Smoking Guns. Losing to a whole bunch of damn times on the um, house show circuit. Uh, they wrestled in a Raw on October 17th against um, Barry Horowitz and Nick uh, Barberry uh, in Burlington, Vermont. Well, I don't think Raw would ever go to Burlington anytime soon these days. Um, basically, a bunch of jobbers again. And and they wrestled you know, house shows against the Smoking Guns again. And then Tom Pritchard wrestled three times solo against Billy Gunn. Uh, in Scranton, Pennsylvania, Vancouver, British Columbia, and Seattle, Washington, uh, around late October and early November, and they would wrestle the Smoking Guns on TV on that show WF Sunday Night, which was on USA, uh, and then of course lost to Smoking Guns again, and then they would wrestle the Smoking Guns in Europe in mid-November before Survivor Series. And then they were in Survivor Series, they were part of the uh, million dollar team with Bam Bam Bigelow, King Kong Bunny, and Tatanka uh, versus Gus and Glory, which included Alan Baum, um, the Smoking Guns, Bart and Billy Gun, of course, Lex Luger, and Mabel. And Tom Pritchard was the first one to be eliminated in that match by pinfall by Mabel under four minutes. And then Jimmy Del Rey got eliminated by Lex Luger with the 
getting hit by his bionic elbow. You want gold or what's well, kind of dusty roads? But the, the elbow that Lex Luger used to fucking knock people out because he had steel plate in it after a motorcycle accident. And then um, once again, they feuded with Smoke Guns and House shows. You know, and they were on another episode of Monday Raw on November 28th in Poughkeepsie. And then uh, at this point, Shawn Michaels and Diesel broke up because Vince was going to make. You know, Kevin Nash, aka Diesel, the world champion. So they had a tournament for the world tag team titles. Um, smoke, uh, smoke guns, heavily body, excuse me. Um, and it's kind of early for me, folks. Um, basically, defeated the Bushwhackers and the Kipsy the next night for a team in WF Superstars in the quarterfinals for the tournament. And then they wrestled in early December again internationally in Germany. Tel Aviv, Israel, and England, and they came back to the States uh, for a tape on December 10th against um, Bob Holly and then one, two, three, can now, of course, X Pac for the uh, semifinals for the WF uh, World Tag Team Championship tournament. And of course, they lost to the guys who eventually would get the belts at the Royal Rumble that year of '95, and they pretty much wrestled a bunch of jobbers and they finished out doing house shows against the Smoking Guns. So here's the Heavenly Bodies, the pro wrestlers in their spotlight. The first WWF superstars were actually in the spotlight. They were there full-time at this period in fall 94. And after this is my picks of the week.
seem to have a cat in our presence here in the show. <laughs> what that last audio is kind of in and out. Uh, I'm just trying to get the show done, folks. I mean, I'm over my deadline, unfortunately. But anyway, it's time we talk about cats. This is Remember the Class 1998. And this, of course, I'm your host, the American Lineage of Michael Miller. And now we're down to my picks of the week. And we're starting off a classic one from ni- around, what, 96 or something like that. Uh, from 311, their first big hit. And of course, you know I'm talking about down, so hope you're down with the show today, being the 20th episode. And we're starting off my picks with 311, only here on Remember the Class of 1998. <clears throat> Alright guys, here's my five picks of the week. We started off with down by 311, and then Seal's version of Fly Like an Eagle, uh, from the Space Jam movie, of course. Uh, and then Jewel, who... Uh, God bless me. I had a huge, massive crush on back in the day with her first big hit, Who Will Save Your Soul. And then Lance Morissette with her, one of her classics, uh, Hand in My Pocket. And then we heard live with uh, Turn My Head. And I'd like to thank everybody for listening to Remember Class 1998 again, 20th episode. Uh, hopefully you guys keep on listening. You know, hopefully I can be able to do this as long as I can. Hopefully maybe one of the big time... Pod guy, podcast guy, excuse me, would probably, hopefully, um, might catch on and actually might get paid to do this, but otherwise I'm happy doing it free for you guys, no problems, but let's see, and also to give a paid tribute and give our sympathies to the families of Jim Danville Nyhart and Aretha Franklin, uh, both of them passed away uh, this past week, and again, Thank you for Anchor and Spotify for letting me be able to do the show. If you want to listen to the full show with music, uh, please turn here to Anchor or Apple iTunes. Everywhere else is you basically hear me talking. So, yep, 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 yep. That's all you hear from me. Besides, you know, no music. But the full show is on Anchor and Apple iTunes. And thank you guys again for listening. I'll hopefully see you next week with episode 21 without any problems. <laughs> Because unfortunately, my internet went out on me during I was recording the show last night when I got home. So, uh, hopefully this episode 20 is now officially coming out. And hopefully you guys enjoyed the show. And I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Rock on. Peace. And, of course, the words of Bill and Ted. Be excellent to each other. Alright. See you guys. Oh, and don't forget. Facebook page. Remember the class of 1998. This is the final goodbye. Bye. <laughs> you know, some people think I'm a little strange. Yeah. Other wrestlers think I'm a little strange. In fact, a lot of wrestlers don't even want to wrestle the anvil. Why, I don't know. Is, is it because when I pick a guy up for a body slam and I slam him to the floor, <laughs> maybe it's too much for them. Or when the anvil climbs the top rope and pow, <laughs> comes down upon people, maybe they don't like that. Maybe that hurts. <laughs> I love hurting other wrestlers, especially real big wrestlers and real big challenges, because I like a challenge. <laughs>